so many people are living in fear right now from so many different things. And we've gone through a pandemic. In fact, we still are going through a pandemic with the COVID-19. But it goes beyond that. And fear, so often, I, and I talk to clients every day about their fears. And it stops them from really, truly living the life that they want. And I'm really excited about this particular episode because I'm going to have uh, Dr. Greg come on and we're going to be talking about what typically stops people. What, what is the fear that stops people from really living that full and authentic life? And so we're going to be talking more about that in this episode of the Mental Health Today show coming right up. Welcome to the Mental Health Today show. My name is John Cordray, and I'm a licensed therapist, and I am the host of this episode and this show, and I'm glad that you're tuning in today because we are going to be talking about how fear stops people from living a full and authentic life with Dr. Greg Schuer. And I don't know if I got that right, so I'm sorry for, about that, Dr. Greg. But <laughs> Dr. Greg is a chiropractor and a human behavioral specialist, and he specializes in helping people overcome the obstacles, limitations, and challenges, keeping them from accomplishing their goals and dreams. He is dedicated to helping people truly understand how they can live a healthier and more empowered and fuller life doing what they love. Oh, that is great. Well, Dr. Greg, thank you for coming on the show and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. Yeah. And, and let's just start out. Tell us where you're from and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I live in Sydney, Australia, but I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa. So I've been in Australia now since the end of 96, I think, so quite a long time. I originally, just in terms of professionally originally when i started out my journey in my career really just wanted to become a medical practitioner and that was really born out of a connection i shared with my grandfather who happened to pass away when i was 11 and we had such a strong connection and i had him on such a high pedestal that i kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps so i dedicated a lot of my time even though i didn't actually connect the dots to achieving the outcome of becoming a medical doctor, I dedicated my time, at least mentally, towards going down that road. At the end of high school, though, I didn't land up getting into medicine at all. I didn't get the grades for it because what I actually chose to do in high school was drama and languages, so no, sci no science at all. <laughs> so very different to what you need to get into medicine. And I loved performing, I loved singing, I did that a lot through high school, but at the same time also felt like I wanted to be this doctor because I had him on this pedestal. So I took a year off after school, eventually came back and I thought, what's going to get me into, what's going to get me into medicine? And I looked at a couple of different options and Cairo, being a chiropractor just seemed like a potential avenue for that and I had the grades for it. So I launched into Cairo. Within three weeks, I learned a lot of philosophy within Cairo, which was really fascinating to me. The philosophy in Cairo focuses on what's called the triangle or triad of health, which focuses on your chemistry, 
So that's, that's like nutrition and toxins, your structure, as well as your emotions. And they all work together to help you get the best results health-wise. And I just was fascinated with that. But I still wanted to do medicine. My goal was still medicine. And then end of my undergrad degree, my desire to do medicine was waning a little bit. Got into my master's, my final year of master's, I landed up being exposed to a technique that chiropractors used called NET. It stands for neuroemotional technique. It's a type of kinesiology technique to help the body reduce the impact of stress on the physical body. There's a process that we use to do that. And I got involved with it and I was fascinated with it because it was all really mind-focused. It's kind of like mind mechanics more than body mechanics. And medicine became a distant memory. I just Mm. didn't want to do medicine anymore. And I started doing that uh, straight out of uni, 2007. And by the time 2011 rolled around, I was still like really engaged in human development and human behavior and the mindset. I just, I loved the impact of how the brain had such a huge influence on how the body presented. And I landed up learning from one of the world's most renowned human behavioral specialists, Dr. John Demartini. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. And spent, I've spent now, it's 2022, so spent 11 years plus just learning all the different ways to help people from a human behavioral perspective. And the reason why I liked him, there was a couple of reasons, his efficiency and approach to helping people shift through challenge. He had a much more balanced and integrated approach which I loved because I come from um, uh, understanding the principles of Chinese medicine and the, and the yin-yang balance. I really loved that. And two, he's a chiropractor like me. So he kind of understood that like, he kind of started where I started and the trajectory of where he went to in a way was quite similar to what I wanted to do and what I wanted to explore. And then now 2022... After a lot of self-work, a lot of personal growth work and going through COVID, eventually I got super clear on where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to help people. And I just love creative problem solving. I love helping people get to results really quickly in the most efficient way possible. And that's where I am now. Wow, that's a long journey. And Mm -hmm. I like how you said that you thought you were going to go one way, one direction in medicine, but then you realize that's not really what you wanted to do, and then you found your passion. Correct. No, I thought it was for so long. And then I think it was during COVID, I landed up doing, because I did a lot of Demartini's programs. He has quite a few that he does. He does a weekend one pretty much every weekend of the year. And I hadn't been, I hadn't done it since I lived in Canada. You're from Canada, right? No, I'm actually from the U.S., Oh, you're from the U.S. Sorry, I apologize. Uh-huh. Not, not so, too far. I don't. North yeah, America. Right. So when there I was living go. in North America, <laughs> once upon a time, I did his program when I was there, which is the last time I did it, which I think was 2012, maybe. And so I landed up doing it again during COVID. So it was either last year or the year before. And it was just super beneficial in helping me get even clearer on my purpose and clear on what I wanted to build and clear on what I wanted to create. And especially during COVID, COVID really shifted my values a lot. I think it had a huge impact on everybody uh, for so many different reasons. And it really massively impacted me just in terms of how as a society globally, we were managing this whole situation 
And I got really challenged by that, but I used that as fuel to create a vision and to create something that I'm in the process of building and developing. So yes, long journey, very long journey. Well, and you kind of hinted towards it as well that yes, it's a long journey, but there were some obstacles along the way. It wasn't smooth sailing. And I think so many people are, are kind of at that crossroads themselves. In America right now, there's just a lot of layoffs going on mm-hmm. and, and people are losing their jobs. And that creates a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. That, that creates a, an obstacle that it could seem very insurmountable. And w- w- we're talking about living a full and authentic life. When you lose your job and, and you're facing your fear, it doesn't feel very full uh, no. or authentic. It doesn't. As a species, uh, we are like very intelligent, generally speaking, as a species, but at the same time, not as smart as we actually are. But we're very intelligent. So when we're faced with the challenges like that, and obviously that's a big one for a lot of people, definitely not going to downplay it because it's tough. I've been through my own version of that in my life, so I understand the complexities and difficulties that go along with not having employment but the way our brain functions i was actually just talking to someone earlier about this our brain and and you might be aware of this our brain with lots of different aspects of the brain but we have three levels to the brain we have the reptilian level which is referred to as the unconscious mind it's the lower two-thirds of our brain but part of the lower two-thirds of our brain. So it's the bottom part. It's called the brainstem and spinal cord. And that's all your peripheral nerves that go out to your arms and your legs. That's a part of the brain that controls everything automated, everything that's a reflex in your system, your breathing, your heart rate, your blood pressure, et cetera, everything you can't control consciously. Then you've got your limbic brain, which all mammals have on the planet. So we're mammals. Obviously, we've got that too, which is often referred to as your subconscious brain or subconscious mind, which is where we process memories and thoughts and feelings, a lot of our conditioning's there, learned behaviors are there, our values, our intrinsic value system is stored there. I often referred to it as the iCloud of the brain or your Google Drive or whatever you want to call it. That's mm-hmm. where everything's housed. And then we've got the neocortex, the conscious mind. And every second of every single day, <clears throat> uh, we're processing information, roughly at a, a range of somewhere between 11 million to 200 million bits of information per second. So a lot of information that the brain's actually processing through a thousand sensors that we have in and on the body. So that's vibration, electromagnetics, smell, taste, sight, touch, temperature changes, barometric pressure changes. There's lots of different stuff that our, that our nervous system is dealing with per second. Out of all of that information, only 2 to 4% is processed by the conscious mind. The conscious mind can't take in everything. But the rest of the brain has already taken all of that in and knows all the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. So when a person goes through an experience of loss, <clears throat> our conscious mind doesn't, can't comprehend all the underlying and hidden and unconscious reasons for all of it. It only processes the 2 to 4%, which is the pain, the challenge, the lack of income, the difficulty, obviously, that, that could create for us in terms of family dynamics, mortgages, rental payments, etc., But there's always an unconscious motive there. There's always an unconscious reason. And the brain knows that. It's about bringing that to the surface and helping people realize what that reason is to help them understand how a situation like that is helping them navigate, not the other way around. So oftentimes when we go through these losses, 
human beings, we catastrophize, and that's not unusual, that's normal, because our fear response activates, our fight, flight, freeze gets engaged, and we perceive danger, and naturally we go into that space emotionally, adrenaline, cortisol is pumping through the system, but the rest of the brain can see the order of it and see the balance of it. We're just not consciously aware of it. So what I usually help people do is help them become consciously aware of what, what's unconscious. So what that loss is about, why it's happening, what the benefits are, what it's helping them do differently, what actions it's getting them to take in response to it. Not necessarily negative, more like uh, momentum-based actions, so direction-focused based actions. And the more a person's able to recognize that, not just logically, but feel the truth of that in their physiology and their body, uh, we're able to then see the hidden order behind why things happen to us. And that things don't just happen coincidentally, that things don't just happen by chance. That's the conscious mind who, the conscious part of the brain that potentially, at least from my observation, my experience, sees things. So my objective is really to help people understand the hidden order behind everything that they experience. The more you can understand it, the more empowered you are actually and the more control you actually have over your life rather than feeling like you're a victim of things where you don't have power, don't have control, you realize the goal is to help a person realize that they actually have more ownership over their direction than they originally thought. So that's commonly how I would look at a situation like that. But understandably, it's difficult initially because it's hard to see things that way. And we look at those situations and just think, oh my gosh, this is, how am I going to get over this? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to get a new job? Is there another opportunity for me? And we can get quite down on ourselves and obviously feel quite anxious and depressed, as, which are normal physiological and psychological responses to those, those perceptions, our perception of what we're going through. Um, but we can overcome those things. And there's two well, different ways that I would approach that. Oh, please go right ahead. So the first thing that I would do, which is probably the most important thing that I would do, is to help a person overcome the perceived loss component first. No, there's fear obviously associated with that, but we'd look at the loss because oftentimes when we lose something, we only miss the parts of the thing that we lost that we infatuate with, the stuff that we like about it. We never miss the stuff that we don't like about it. So, for example, if you're working in a job and you had a really like crappy boss or you had like a colleague who used to pick on you all the time or you had to do like slave labor and all the dirty work, you don't miss that stuff. Like you're grateful that stuff's gone. It's like a relief to not have that in your life. But we often will miss the parts of the job that we really loved or mostly infatuated with that we think gave us more positives than negatives. So what the brain has difficulty realizing is that although we perceive we've lost whatever it is in this job, in nature, we are governed by the laws of conservation, which basically means that no energy is ever lost, doesn't matter what happens. So even if a state, even if there's a, sta a change of state, or a change in the variables of a situation, it doesn't mean that energy just dissipates and goes away. Energy moves from one state to the next. So the best example I usually give people is if I gave you a glass of water, which is a liquid, and then we change the variables and put it in a freezer, 
it would still be water. It just is now vibrating differently because it's a solid, but it's still the same amount of water. It's just the variables changed. So it's a new form. No energy was lost in the process of moving it from a water to a liquid. It's just the, the molecules are just vibrating at a different frequency. And then if we take that piece of ice or that glass of ice and we put it into a pot and boil. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details the water and get it and melt it and eventually boil the water until nothing's left and it evaporates into steam it's still the same amount of water the molecules again are vibrating at a different frequency we just can't see it so now the form's changed again <coughs> so when we experience a loss based on that principle it's not that we've lost anything in the big scheme of things, just the form of what we had is now in a new form. So the the goal is really to help people identify that, is to help people see where the new form is to the same degree that it existed as it would have in the old. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm just going to pause for one sec. So Ian, so when Dr. Greg coughs and pauses, if he can take that out, that'd be great. Okay. So the goal really is then to see how the old form and whatever the new form is, the degree of them are even and matched. It helps the conscious mind realize that nothing went missing. It's just the form of it's different. So if let's say, for example, you miss someone that you lost and they were providing you with affection or let's say they gave you a lot of emotional support and let's say they're gone and they're not giving that to you anymore, oftentimes at the moment of loss, the form changes and usually other people step in to provide emotional support. Now, it might not be exactly the same way, but collectively when you put them together, the degree of that together matches in, in feeling and quality. So as long as the brain can see that, then it realizes that nothing's missing, that it still exists. It's just the form's different. And then we help people look at the downside. So we look at the drawbacks of the old version to take it off the pedestal. So we stop infatuating with it. And we look at the benefits of the new form. So we can actually realize the new form is serving us probably in a far greater way in terms of our own value system than the original one was. And we just play around with those benefits and drawbacks, those positives and negatives until they equalize and neutralize and balance each other out. And oftentimes at that stage, I'd ask a person, do you still miss that thing that you lost? And they'd go, no, I don't actually. I prefer the new form. And then we go through a whole bunch of other ones that they might miss. There might be like three, four, five, ten things that they miss about whatever it is that they lost. And we're just always looking for where the new forms are how the new forms are benefiting them and how the old forms are a downside so we can take them off the pedestal. And by the end of that process, usually people don't miss the thing that they lost any longer because they're recognizing the hidden order, like why it happened. Because that's what human beings always want to know. Why did this happen to me? Why did I experience this? Why did I lose my job? Why did my partner leave me? And they don't get the answers consciously, but the brain knows the reason. It's just investigating the reason and asking very deep and quality questions to uncover it. So that would be the first thing is really resolving and transforming that loss. 
And then the next part of the process would really uncover it would be not necessarily uncovering, but more breaking through any fears that they have that nothing new is going to come afterwards. And usually that's based on past experiences where something like that's happened and we project that ahead of time, which is usually what fear is. It's a projection of past experience ahead of time. So it's a speculation that it's going to reoccur. And all we want to do is just calm that down by helping people see the benefits. If let's say that never happened, what would be the benefit to you? And look at past experiences where that had happened and how they gained from that. Again, it's all about calming down and regulating the mind, the mind and the conscious perception of it so that people are seeing things as on the way, not in the way. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And the fear itself is normally, it's a perceived thing, like you mentioned. And so often we get so caught up on something that hasn't happened yet, but we think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. For instance, maybe you, you did lose a job, but the fear is I'm not going to be able to pay the mortgage. I'm not going to be able to, to put food on the table. And when we uh, get stuck in that cognitive distortion, we, we allow that then con- to control us. And we start to believe things that are not actually happening. It's just what you said. And I love the analogy that you talked about with the, the water and the ice and, and then melting it again and turns into steam. That's all real, a great analogy of how so often we don't really, we don't really stop to think about the, what's actually going on. We mm-hmm. focus so much on what could be going on and, and the fear. And so I really like your approach there. And that's so important to help walk someone through it because sometimes we're so afraid and we allow things to get control us. And sometimes maybe it's social phobia, for instance. And it's so controlling that we don't do anything. We, it controls our behavior. And so sometimes we need somebody to help us see our blind spots and to see these things and to walk us through it. Otherwise, we probably won't do it on our own. And so we need someone to walk us through that. So you do a lot of coaching online and your coaching, it's not just in Sydney, it's all over the world, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I I just love helping people as much as I can. So whoever needs the, the service that I love to provide, doesn't matter where they are. As long as we have an internet connection, I can help them. Yeah. And so kind of... You talked about your two two things, two steps there that you would help someone with. Well, tell us a little bit about what are some of the common struggles that when people come to you and you walk them through, what are some of those common struggles? Well, there's, there's a few that are pretty consistent to a lot of the people I've worked with in the past. <clears throat> so most of the time I'm helping people overcome a lot of the things that are holding themselves back from moving forward, either in their jobs or financially generating uh, more money or uh, getting to a a strong and powerful and collaborative relationship. So I'm always looking at what can I do to help them overcome those challenges. And oftentimes what holds people back is they have challenges expressing themselves and being really clear on who they are and setting strong and effective boundaries. And oftentimes that can usually be as a consequence of, not always, but as a consequence of how they grew up. Maybe they had very strict parents who may have been, in their perception, a bit more controlling or wanted them to follow a particular path or a particular strategy or a particular way of being educated and didn't feel like they could stand up for themselves or didn't feel like they could own their position because if they did, there'd be like heavy consequence. So oftentimes I'm helping people overcome that challenge. In my case, that was quite similar for me. So whatever, generally whatever I've 
overcome myself and what I've worked on myself is usually what I tend to attract and tend to want to help people with. So I was bullied as a kid, picked on, I had big ears. There's loads of reasons why that happened. I figured it out later down the track. It had nothing to do with my ears at all. And as a consequence, I became quite shy. I became quite timid. I didn't speak up for myself. I was too afraid of people not liking me. So all I wanted to do is be accepted. So I ended up becoming a people pleaser. And so again, that's one of the things that I help people overcome that need to please others. So to do more for others and less for themselves, that selfless versus selfish approach that often exists quite predominantly in society, which is usually taught mostly through familial belief systems or cultural belief or religious dogmas oftentimes will say we've got to be more kind than mean or more nice than cruel or more giving than taking, etc. So we've kind of grown up in these polarized ways where we don't necessarily feel it's okay or we have permission to be the opposite because the opposite is perceived as negative or bad. And I'm of a different opinion when it comes to that. So I believe that occupying the parts of ourselves that often others will judge as negative and using those parts of ourselves with a lot of conscious intention and awareness to help move the needle forward for ourselves in life, which can ultimately help loads of other human beings, I think is quite wise. So I help people own that stuff. So if they are being way too selfless, too kind, too giving, and like are burning out because of it and and then becoming increasingly narcissistic because they're not getting what they want, I help people learn how to own that selfishness inside of them to a degree where they can see it as an asset rather than a liability to their life to the exact same degree that they're choosing to be selfless. So to have balance, so they can have more integration and more evenness between that give and take and to understand that their number one priority, no one else is more important than them, but not to the exclusion of everybody else. Still got to include other people in the world because we need people. Can't be islands. It doesn't work that way. But to make sure that we're honoring ourselves and respecting ourselves and valuing ourselves because we can't be valued and honored and respected by the outside world. The world doesn't reflect that back to us if we're not doing it first. So I do a lot of work in helping people overcome all of that and all of those obstacles because usually those are the main ones that get in the way and stop people from really achieving loads of different things that they want um, out of some of the the areas of life that I mentioned before. Hmm. Well, that's excellent. And I appreciate your service in that area because so many people really need that help to mm-hmm. overcome that. And they need someone like you to kind of walk them through and to really see the blind spots that they're, that they may not realize that they have. And so you walk them through that. So that's excellent. So if someone's listening to this, Dr. Greg, and, and they're interested in maybe reaching out to you and getting some of this coaching that you are mentioning, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? So the best way to connect with me, I like having conversations with people as soon as possible because it just gives me a much better indication of how I can help. So the best way to get in contact with me is through Instagram. I'm on there all the time. It's I use that as one of my main business tools to connect with current clients, new potential clients who want to potentially work with me because it just gives them direct access to me so they can actually ask me questions rather than going through all these different hoops to try and get to me. So they can contact me through Instagram if they need it, to, if they want to. And can you tell us what your Instagram handle is? 
Yes. So it's Dr. Greg Schrua. I'll spell it because my surname is very difficult to spell. It's Dr. D-R, Greg, G-R-E-G, and Schrua is my surname, S-C-H-R-E-U-W-E-R. So it's all one word, Dr. Greg Schrua. Nice. And that's on Instagram. Excellent. Yep. And so do you, so obviously you must have an active Instagram account and so people can yes. go and, and look at that as well. Yeah. So they can look at my feed and what I've posted. I'm often posting inspiring quotes or stuff that I've been witnessing with clients and I use it as teaching aids. Obviously, I don't talk about the clients, but more about the lessons that are coming out that might be consistent amongst a couple. I'll share stories, often some insights and awarenesses about stuff that I go through which I feel could be relevant to helping people who may have similar challenges. And yeah, if people want to connect with me, all they need to do is just send me a direct message. We can start a conversation. If it's something they're interested to explore further, there's more resources that I can send uh, through that conversation process. And then usually we'll just hop on a call after that if they want to actually speak to me directly and see how I can help them further beyond our chat on Instagram. Excellent. And now, of course, we'll have that on the, sh the show notes as well. So you can go to mentalhealthtodayshow.com and look at the show notes and you can find all the information right there. Well, Dr. Greg, I got one last question, a question that I ask all of my guests when they come on and it has to do with self-care. I talk a lot about self-care. I'm a therapist, so I need to things that we enjoy doing, things that we can look forward to doing. And I'm just really curious, what are some of your things that you do for your self-care? Oh, that's a good question. My, my self-care approach might not be super traditional. Um, there's a couple of things that I do. So if it's more mindset stuff and I'm needing to work through something or break through something, I have a coach that I often chat to to help me with that stuff. If it's more physical, so body-based the Cairo that I work with, he helps me with those things, but more like to kind of keep myself centered and regulated because my, my brain runs a million miles an hour. I've got a creative mind, so I need to kind of put that on hold from time to time. I love watching TV shows. They're specific ones that I watch. I love watching movies. It just keeps me calm. It gives me space from everything that I'm thinking about 24-7. And also spending time with my kids. I love hanging out with them. They keep me grounded. So those are probably my go-tos when I really need to kind of just get out of my head, get back to the ground, and get some clarity again so I can continue my momentum, continue moving forward. That's just my approach. Very different to maybe some, but it's just what works for me. I like that. And that's the key, what works for you. Yeah. And uh, so that's excellent. Wonderful. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And I want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, just kind of talking to us and, and to my listeners, it's just your journey, why you're doing what you're doing and the help that you're working with people, working through their fear and overcoming their shortcomings and their, and I'm assured their fixed mindset rather than a growth mindset. So really appreciate you, you coming on the show and talking with us and sharing with us. And yeah, I wish you the best success. I don't know what the weather is like there in <laughs> Sydney, but we're getting ready to go into wintertime here. 
Thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been uh, an honor having this opportunity to have a chat to you and obviously to your listeners. So I appreciate that. In terms of how weather, we're moving into summer soon. So <laughs> it's a little bit it's a little bit chilly at the moment, which is a little bit not common for this time of year for us. I mean, the weather's been weird all year for everyone around the world, but we're getting into the warmer weather. So it's nice and sunny today. I'm it's 10 a.m. here and well, not, not anymore, it's almost 11 a.m. now. So we're having beautiful sunny weather going into the warmer months. Well, that sounds really nice because it's pretty cold here. Yes. I've been there when it's freezing, so I totally <laughs> understand what that's about. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, again, thanks for coming on. And I want to thank all of you who are listening to the show. Some of you maybe are just now tuning in or maybe you've listened for a long time. I really appreciate you and always will appreciate you. And I just want you to continue working on your mental health. And maybe you need to talk to someone like Dr. Greg to work on that. And, or maybe you need to talk to a therapist. And so just, I want you to, to continue to not give up and work on your mental health. And remember that the Mental Health Today show has been championing your mental health since 2015. Thank you, friends. Bye-bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.